0: Due to the graphic nature of this story, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of pregnancy loss, war, violence, and death. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
1: In the summer of 2015, Seattle's Harbor Island was a bustling freight terminal. Every day, dozens of nondescript vans and trucks converged on the man-made island to drop their cargo at dockside warehouses.
0: But one of these trucks was carrying something more, a small hidden GPS tracker.
1: From a computer several miles away, investigator Jim Puckett followed that tracker's movement, and he was not happy with what he saw. Puckett,
0: was a member of the Basel Action Network, or BAN, a team dedicated to investigating environmental crimes. Their primary focus was illegal electronic waste, or e-waste.
1: The bug truck carried a load of broken and discarded computers, smartphones, lithium batteries, and other devices containing toxic materials. The reputable company that owned the vehicle was supposed to recycle all this in Seattle.
0: Instead, Puckett saw the truck unload it all onto a ship bound for Hong Kong, home to an untold number of illegal, dangerous recycling centers.
1: Puckett knew he had to go undercover to follow the shipment, but he didn't know his investigation would uncover toxic pollution, corporate greed, and poisoned children.
0: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly.
1: And I'm your host, Richard. We're exploring how we share our digital identities and who controls our data.
0: Today, we're asking, how does the digital world threaten our existence? From toxic waste to cyber war, we'll investigate the physical consequences of our online activities and explore whether our real lives might also
2: be at risk.
1: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
2: There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
0: Investigator Jim Puckett went to Hong Kong in the autumn of 2015. Relying on local translators as guides, he went to hidden e-waste recycling plants. They were often locked up behind walls of shipping containers with no markings.
1: The camouflage was necessary because many of these operations were illegal. They had no licenses or government oversight and often used unsafe open burn pits and rickety machinery.
0: The risk was worth it to them. Electronic recycling was lucrative. Some machines could be resold for their components, and trace amounts of valuable metals, like gold and platinum, could still be pulled out of severely damaged
1: electronics. But to make a profit, workers had to tear through a lot of devices. At just one location, there were thousands of discarded machines. Plastic casings, computer chips, and toxic chemicals spilled from broken LCD screens and shattered batteries. The piles of waste were taller than Puckett, and some stretched on for almost the length of a football field.
0: To make matters worse, few of the workers wore masks or protective gear. Puckett even saw some handling tubes of liquid mercury, an exceptionally poisonous mineral. They told him they didn't know the tubes were dangerous.
1: The facilities weren't only risky for the workers, they were leaching toxins into the local soil and water. The recyclers could only salvage certain parts of each device while the rest piled up until it could be broken down.
0: This was more like e-waste storage and it was causing long-term health effects in workers and their children. And it wasn't just happening in Hong Kong.
1: Illegal e-waste was piling up in Thailand, India, Nigeria, and Ghana. Studies showed workers there had very high rates of cancer, liver damage, skin disorders, and miscarriages.
0: Unfortunately, while the mountains of electronic garbage seemed to be the culprit, the e-waste problem was much bigger than the illegal recycling operations.
1: According to the New York Times, 49.3 million tons of e-waste were produced globally in 2016. By 2021, that number was up to 57 million tons. Individual Americans alone produced 42 pounds each. Which may leave you
0: wondering where all that waste comes from. After all, you probably don't own 42 pounds worth of devices, but there's more to digital consumption than the physical equipment Internet usage also has an environmental impact.
1: Cyberspace might be invisible, but it requires tangible resources to exist. Think of it as a chain of resources. You pull out your smartphone to check your email, but your battery is low, so you plug it in to charge. You're pulling in electricity, but just enough to power the battery. It's not that much, right?
0: But there are over a billion smartphones in use across the world. Often, they need to be charged daily. In aggregate, that little bit of electricity is now a lot of electricity.
1: That energy has to be generated somewhere, and over 60% of global electric plants run on fossil fuels.
0: So now, each time you check your email, you're generating pollution. And that's just your email. Now imagine online shopping or gaming. And the pollution from these online activities is nothing compared to Bitcoin.
1: As we briefly discussed in earlier episodes, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency or digital money system. It's created by computers and used by computers. And it's almost entirely unregulated. Some speculators believe one day cryptocurrency will replace physical money.
0: This currency is very volatile. So much so, Bitcoin prices often make headline news. And when new coins are made, a process we'll discuss a little later, sometimes it costs more to make them than they're worth. In 2019, it cost about 4,000 US dollars to make one Bitcoin but each one was only worth $3,500.
1: However, soon after that, Bitcoin prices skyrocketed. This attracted investors who made more coins, meaning pollution also skyrocketed.
0: This is because it takes immense resources to make each Bitcoin. It requires lots of computers, all solving very complex math equations in a process called mining.
1: When you solve an equation, you create a new Bitcoin, which is all yours. The solved equation means a new block of information is added to blockchain, which is the digital record of every Bitcoin ever.
0: Blockchain is set up so these equations get more difficult as more people try to solve them. Imagine two computers playing ping pong. It's an easy back-and-forth game with a single ball.
1: Now add a million computers, each with their own ping-pong ball. Suddenly, it's very difficult to play, keep score, or even find your own ball. And making a Bitcoin is like finding one specific ball among billions.
0: It takes a ton of processing power to make Bitcoin, and that power requires literal tons of resources. Bitcoin mines are just hundreds of computers lined up in sync chewing through math problems all day, every day.
1: A Bitcoin mine in New York increased its fossil fuel emissions tenfold from 2019 to 2020. The University of Cambridge estimates Bitcoin mines use 121 terawatts of electricity every year. That's nearly as much annual energy use as the entire country of Sweden. It's more than Facebook, Google, Apple, and Microsoft combined.
0: Which is especially striking because, as we discussed previously, these large corporations operate massive Internet servers. Those data centers use a lot of electricity, which generates heat. Too much heat, and the servers crash. So the data centers have to stay cool, which requires more resources.
1: For example, Google cools their centers with water several billion gallons of it.
0: Water is just one link in a resource chain that powers everything, from your phone to your PlayStation to your fridge. The number of digital devices or links in the chain is continually growing exponentially
1: across the globe. And these examples are just about using your devices. There's also the issue of manufacture. This process consumes even more resources, like the rare minerals and oil-based plastics used to make smartphone screens and laptop processors.
0: Some of these elements are difficult to find and procure. For example, gold and copper mines create acidic wastewater which seeps into groundwater and nearby lakes. This poisons wells and kills aquatic life.
1: Sometimes just the size of a mine is destructive. A single surface dig can destroy hundreds of square miles. Meanwhile, deeper mines spare the land above, but put miners in danger. They may contract lung disease or suffer deadly accidents.
0: This is the true cost of cyberspace, and it's only growing. Global electronic waste increases 5% every year, and there's no end in sight.
1: After all, once your smartphone is built and you're using it daily, it's not like it's the only one you'll ever own. You'll have to upgrade within a few years, whether you want to or not.
0: This is thanks to planned obsolescence, a concept that encourages buying new products instead of repairing old ones, and it's nothing new.
1: Back in 1924, a conglomerate of light bulb manufacturers, including Phillips and General Electric, set a standard that bulbs shouldn't last more than 1,000 hours. They had the technology to make lights last much longer than that, but manufacturers across the industry all designed them so they'd start to break down right at the 1,000-hour mark. That way, customers would have to buy more bulbs more often. In the modern
0: era, Apple creates a new charging port every few years, requiring customers to buy new adapters. Microsoft upgrades its operating systems to ensure old computers won't work with the new versions and stop supporting older versions. Even if you want to use your old computer, you can't.
1: So once our devices are considered obsolete, we replace and discard them, including the dangerous toxins and valuable minerals inside them.
0: Which brings us back to illegal e-waste recycling.
1: In the early 1990s, personal computers became standard in many American households. Soon afterward, the United States had a new problem. What to do with the e-waste? It was dangerous and difficult to recycle, and some legislatures wanted it out of sight, out of mind, and out of the country
0: a treaty developed in basel switzerland created an international law that made it illegal for a nation to ship its toxic waste to another nation it went into effect in 1992 and by 2015 183 countries had agreed to it but not the united states
1: american e-waste continues to be shipped out across the globe Americans spend over $200 billion on electronics every year, but only recycle about 30% of their old devices. The rest end up in landfills. As one UN University researcher said, until the U.S. decides to play a part, we can't really solve the problem of e-waste.
0: Our old and obsolete devices are a ticking time bomb. But many people don't think that much about their digital carbon footprint. The issues might seem too far away. If you don't live near an e-waste plant, the challenges don't seem to affect you. But sometimes your online activity can bring danger right to your front door. And for a few people, the stakes are life and death.
1: Coming up, online rage becomes real life violence. The I-5
2: Strangler, the Southside Dentist, the Berlin Butcher. Meet the many faces of evil in the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers takes an in-depth look at the horrors beyond the headlines. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that left an indelible stain on history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.
1: Now, back to the story.
2: A few days
0: after Christmas in 2017, 28-year-old Andrew Finch heard strange noises outside his home in Wichita, Kansas. He went to his front porch to investigate and found a phalanx of police officers waiting
1: for him. The cop shouted something at him, but Finch was confused. When he lowered his hands toward his waist, One of the officers opened fire and killed him.
0: The police believed Finch was armed and holding hostages inside his house, but this intel was based on an anonymous tip. In fact, Finch had no weapon or hostages.
1: The tip was a hoax based on a dispute over an online video game.
0: A disgruntled player had called the police on a fellow gamer, making up a story about the hostage situation. They hope to get a SWAT team to storm in and arrest the other player, or at least disrupt their life.
1: This practice is called swatting, where someone calls in a fake police report about a dangerous situation to harass their target in real life. It's like the old prank of ordering pizzas to someone's house for cash on delivery, except the police often arrive with guns drawn.
0: Even more alarming, The caller had provided the wrong address. Instead of directing the police to the rival player, they sent them to Andrew Finch's home. Finch wasn't involved in the dispute at all, but he still wound up dead.
1: Sadly, Andrew Finch's tragedy wasn't a one-off event. Three years later, a 60-year-old computer whiz named Mark Herring died of a heart attack when officers surrounded his home. In that case,
0: the police were called by an angry entrepreneur who wanted to buy Herring's Twitter account name, but was denied.
1: Herring and Finch's incidents seem like rare tragedies, but they're part of a disturbing trend of digital disagreements morphing into real-world violence.
0: Take doxing. We touched on this in an earlier episode. It refers to users publicly revealing private information online, like cell phone numbers and home addresses.
1: With social media and search engines, anyone can hunt for data and use it for nefarious purposes. But while this information may be available, it isn't always correct.
0: Like with Andrew Finch, the address the angry gamer found was his target's previous address. That player had moved out, the Finches had moved in, and the stage was set for a terrible tragedy.
1: Many times, misinformation is as dangerous as doxing or swatting. And like those practices, it can be divisive, even deadly.
0: Social media deepens these divisions. And as we've seen, digital disputes can spark real-world fights.
1: In some cases, they can even cause a war.
0: In early 2011, Uprisings in Egypt and Tunisia overthrew those nations' long-standing regimes. This massive political upheaval was dubbed the Arab Spring and inspired activism across the Middle East.
1: In March, several teenagers in Syria spray painted graffiti slogans in protest against their government. The teens were arrested and brutally beaten in prison, which ignited further protests
0: The Syrian government cracked down even harder, using heavy weapons against protesters and killing hundreds. Meanwhile, many of these clashes were recorded live by citizens and uploaded to social media.
1: The news spread like wildfire. Across the country, protests were organized on Facebook and YouTube. Their photos and videos were used by international news networks to even further spread the story.
0: As social media gave real-time, unfiltered updates from the streets, it was called ground truth. There was no pundit analysis, cover-up, or censorship. The story of a possible revolution in Syria was spreading, much like it had in Tunisia and Egypt.
1: To get ahead of the ground truth and control the narrative, the Syrian government shut down mobile phone and internet connections. In response, Activists smuggled international SIM cards and satellite phones into the country. The social media output continued.
0: These illicit posts inspired further violent crackdowns. Finally, citizens armed themselves in response. By the summer, as the world watched on Facebook and YouTube, Syria erupted into a full-blown civil war.
1: The Syrian conflict proved social media could incite violence in the streets. Free and open communication lit the fuse of revolution. But other times, angry individuals can use social media to form insulated, secretive communities and recruit others to join them.
0: Some of these groups have familiar names, like Al-Qaeda and ISIS.
1: After the war erupted in Syria, a militant organization called the Islamic State began using social media to recruit new soldiers. By 2015, over 20,000 new members had joined, including over 4,000 Westerners. Other
0: militant groups learned from their success. In 2021, after the Taliban reclaimed power in Afghanistan, They used Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and WhatsApp to promote their rule. Their posts were so highly polished, some experts believe the Taliban used a public relations
1: firm. Today, their social media presence is still expanding. Their posts often look like slick corporate advertisements, promoting their key messages across many platforms. Some Taliban leaders have hundreds of thousands of social media followers.
0: But governments don't only use social media to further their agendas in cyberspace. Sometimes they take direct digital actions against other nations. In late 2020, Russian hackers penetrated data servers at the United States Department of Homeland Security, and it took weeks to discover the breach.
1: Then, in the summer of 2021, the U.S. and the European Union claimed to have uncovered evidence of a massive cyber espionage campaign run by China's government.
0: These cyber attacks raise new concerns about the boundaries of online politics. If citizens can go to war with their own government online, what happens when entire nations fight their battles digitally?
1: Unlike a civil war or terrorist activity, state-sponsored cyber-attacks might not be isolated events. They could spawn a chain reaction that leads to a global war, where virtual battles have horrible impacts in the real world.
0: Cyber-attacks could shut down water and power. They could melt down nuclear reactors. A cyber-war wouldn't just kill a few people, it might kill millions
1: and intelligent machines built for cyber war could wipe out the entire human race.
0: Coming up, artificial intelligence changes the digital battlefield. Now back to the story.
1: In July, 2015, a young couple named Runa Sandvik and Michael Auger took a new rifle out to their backyard shooting range. The gun was fitted with a new high-tech sniper scope that guaranteed they could hit their paper targets.
0: Essentially, the scope was a computer. It calculated wind, distance, and even the weight of the bullet to ensure an accurate shot. Like many computers, the scope also had a Wi-Fi connection, which meant it was vulnerable.
1: Runa and Michael weren't professional marksmen. They were cybersecurity researchers, And their goal wasn't to fire accurate shots, but to make the smart rifle miss every target.
0: Using a laptop, they hacked the scope and changed its security and accuracy settings. They could make the rifle and its operator think it was shooting straight when it wasn't. They adjusted the accuracy so much, the rifle hit a different target nearby.
1: The implications were astounding. Imagine a sniper with a vital target, like a pirate captain holding innocent hostages or a terrorist wearing a suicide vest. No matter how skilled the sniper is, they won't hit their target if their firearm is hacked.
0: And guns are just the beginning. Much of the U.S.'s military and civilian infrastructure is now controlled by computers. If they're compromised, missiles can be shut down in their silos, Naval ships can be led off course by sabotaged GPS systems. Even delivery trucks can be rerouted.
1: Armies no longer need bombs or bullets. They just need computer codes to take control of their enemy's machines. Then they could attack their adversary from within.
0: For example, in 2010, scientists in Iran were using centrifuges to enrich uranium. These machines were vital to creating nuclear power plants or weapons. However, not long after they started the enrichment program, the centrifuges started to malfunction. Not just one or two, nearly all of them.
1: The scientists couldn't figure out why there was such a high failure rate, so they called in computer experts from Europe to look into it.
0: They discovered a virus that manipulated the valves on the centrifuges. This caused the machines to overload and destroy
1: themselves. The virus had been custom-made to shut down Iran's uranium enrichment program. It was called Stuxnet, and it was developed by the U.S. and Israeli governments to ensure Iran wouldn't create nuclear weapons.
0: Cyberattacks like Stuxnet can do more damage than bombs or bullets. A conventional weapon might strike one power plant and shut it down, but a virus can destroy many power plants.
1: That's what Russian hackers did in Ukraine, twice. Just before Christmas in 2015, over a quarter million homes in Ukraine lost power when an entire electrical grid was compromised.
0: Almost exactly a year later, the same hacking group took down an even bigger power grid.
1: The second blackout was one of nearly 7,000 cyberattacks in Ukraine during the final months of 2016.
0: These infrastructure hacks have catastrophic consequences for civilians, and they can thwart an enemy's ability to wage war. Some developers have responded by designing machines that are smart enough to defend themselves or retaliate with attacks of their own.
1: These machines are known as artificial intelligence or A.I.
0: Basic A.I. is already a part of our daily lives. Think of your smart home thermostat keeping your house comfortable 24-7 or your car's navigation system automatically guiding you home. Machines learn your preferences, then adapt their operations to match them.
1: This machine learning is also what allows your favorite streaming services to suggest a movie, a song, or even this podcast.
0: For the military, AI is an invaluable tool to protect soldiers, often by keeping them off of the battlefield entirely. Remote-controlled drones can strike an enemy force without risking a single pilot's life.
1: However, these versions of AI require human assistance. Your car still needs you to start the ignition. You have to consume other movies and podcasts before any algorithm can give you accurate suggestions.
0: And remote drones still require pilots to pull a trigger to fire their missiles.
1: But another type of smart weapon doesn't need any human input to launch an attack. These are called autonomous drones, and they're already being used on the battlefield.
0: In June 2020, a Libyan militia leader fled from UN forces outside Tripoli. As the militants and their truck convoys sped through the desert, a low buzz came up behind them.
1: It was a phalanx of small quadcopter drones. They looked similar to the kind you may fly in your backyard, but with one crucial difference. These drones carried explosives.
0: The tiny aircraft also had cameras and recognition software that was programmed to identify the militia's flags and trucks, even individual soldiers' uniforms. Once the drone computer made a positive ID, it dive-bombed the target.
1: This all took place without any human oversight. No remote pilots needed to pull a trigger or give authorization to detonate the bombs. The drones made the ID and attacked all on their own.
0: Just a few months later, this scene repeated itself in Armenia. While Azerbaijan invaded occupied territory, they dispatched autonomous drones ahead of their ground forces. These automated attacks helped them win the war in just six weeks.
1: These drones are officially called loitering munitions, but have become more commonly known as slaughterbots.
0: Slaughterbots aren't just the stuff of classified military operations. Today, these explosive drones can be built by amateurs for less than $1,000. In fact, in 2018, a homemade one nearly assassinated the president of Venezuela. Imagine if a well-funded military wanted to take matters further, developing other autonomous aircraft, tanks, or even robot
1: soldiers. While this may sound like science fiction, it's closer to a science fact. All of those robotic weapons are in some stage of development in labs around the world. In the coming decades, battles will likely be fought with a combination of cyber attacks and robotics. The
0: weapons of the future are computers and they're growing smarter. In fact, humanity's next war may not involve humans at all, except as casualties.
1: World-famous physicist Stephen Hawking once said, If people design computer viruses, someone will design AI that improves and replicates itself. This will be a new form of life that outperforms humans.
0: When our machines become smarter than we are, they'll likely recognize the first problem we discuss today, natural resources and e-waste. There are finite resources available on Earth. Once AI realizes humans are competing with them for those resources, our computers might declare war on us.
1: On the flip side, machines that are better than we are may be humanity's greatest hope. For example, computers can already identify cancer cells that are undetectable to even the best doctors.
0: Perhaps the greatest mystery of cyber war isn't the impending technology, but how humans will choose to use it. Will we create a utopia or destroy ourselves?
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. Next time, we'll take another deep dive into cyberspace with artificial intelligence, sex robots, and humanity's uncertain future.
0: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer and never share your digital passwords with anyone.
1: Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Mallory Cara and Angela Jorgensen, fact-checking by Kara Mackerlein, And research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.
2: Their names have become larger than life. Their crimes, some of the most heinous in history. Their stories examined each week on the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, journey past the headlines and into the minds and motives of the murderers who forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.